Hi, welcome to Skeptic Hangout, the place where we sit back, relax, and chit-chat about intriguing and sometimes controversial topics through the lens of skepticism. We are Josh, Richard, and Laura, and we have with us today our guest host, Dr. Richard Firth Godby here, author of A Human History of Emotion. We are going to be discussing bad science. So grab your English tea or, you know, Josh mentioned pickle juice last week. So if you've never had a shot of that before, grab a cup and experiment. While you do so, join us as we discuss what happens when a good process goes bad. This is Skeptic Hangout, Bad Science. So first, um, let's start by introducing our guest host, Dr. Godby here. Thank you for having for blah, I'm going to cut this part out. Thank, Thank you for, for having us on. on our podcast. Thank you for having us on. I'm so honored. That's <laughs> <No. laughs> uh, fine. Then. <laughs> no. <laughs> so thank you for being here. I'm really, I'm really excited. This is the first time I've had an opportunity to meet you. And so we're just going to jump right into having a discussion cold. And I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. It's good to be here. Um, it's very late where I am, but I have caffeine in basically injected into my veins, so we're good to go. Yeah, we Americans are very pretentious, so we make you Brits record it like god awful early in the morning, <laughs> just so that we can get our nice convenient schedule. <laughs> I'm part musician, so I'm up now anyway, usually, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, musician and doctor and author. That's a good resume right there. I right, live so- in interesting times. <laughs> So we're going to be talking bad science and uh, is there such thing as bad science or is there just people doing science poorly? Yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking when I think of bad science, I think of people who there's two layers to it, right? There's the scientists who sometimes do some terrible, terrible science, usually based on the old cargo cult method. They don't actually do the research themselves. They look at other things and say, oh, that must be so. And then they do something based on it. And then there's science journalists. And I'm supposed to be one of them, so I should be kind. Um, And they can um, then misinterpret even good science and make it sound bad. And that's kind of what I'm thinking when I hear the phrase bad science. Those kind of two things. The only thing I can think of, I can think of a third, too, where you talk about sort of deliberately bad science, right? Like. I think of like the Ken Hams or like the flat earthers where they're presented with good science. They have all the opportunity to to do good science. All the literature is there in front of them. All the studies are there in front of them. And they choose to either cherry pick or just completely disregard what's there and insert their own. Like that to me, when I hear bad science, that's the first thing I think of. And it, it probably happens less often than just scientists doing things poorly. But yeah, to me, that's the one that bothers me the most. Well, there's also a lot of people manipulating things that to make it sound like they're science. Let's, we're going into pseudoscience when we do that, like uh, homeopathy. Mm. If you if you don't know anything about the scientific method or or anything like that, you can hear water has memory. Huh? That sounds like maybe it has something to it. If you know absolutely nothing at all, and so they just like watering down the ingredients to get you some kind of uh, medicine. But you can like. I, I've watched a podcast or listened to podcasts that have just eaten like 
a hundred pills from homeopathy and not overdosed in the slightest, not even really felt a tingle. So like, there's no medicine there. I mean, that might not prove that the water doesn't work or anything, but uh, the fact that it doesn't have any scientific studies to back it up, that definitely proves, well, it doesn't a hundred percent prove, but it definitely shows that there's probably nothing to it. Yeah. It's um, yeah. That kind of bad science that homeopathy and the um, yeah, the old, um, um, we all came from Iraq. Uh, nonsense. That that is yeah. That's a category I missed. But yeah, homeopathy is yeah. a, a particular bugbear of mine because I'm about to get drunk on this very strong beer. Um, there was beer in this glass about five days ago, so obviously it's going to do my face in. So. There's memory of the beer in that glass mm. right now, and that's how you're going to get wasted. Exactly. I wonder if if like uh, anybody's ever thought of doing a brewery like that. Like, yeah, we we don't <laughs> brew the beer here, but these had this is how you drink healthy. These had beer in it a while ago. I drank all that beer for you, but there's a little <laughs> bit of remnant in there. We just didn't pouring the water on top of it. It's that thing, isn't it? If I was just a shade more evil, I could be a millionaire tomorrow with ideas <laughs> like that. I know, right? I, I was kind of thinking like the first place my mind went when you talk about water having memory is like. That means like the water you're drinking is full of things like fish pee and like <laughs> feces and stuff like that, right? Because <laughs> water remembers. So it's like if it remembers your medicine, what makes you think it doesn't remember things you don't want to have in your body? I think it was the might have been Lemmy Kilmeister who said he doesn't drink water because fish pee in there. So mm-hmm. like there's there's some <laughs> science to that. Sounds a lot, Lemmy. My but, question uh, is, what does he drink? Oh, he drank a lot of whiskey. He doesn't drink much anymore, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, he drank a lot of whiskey. Uh, but there's also other areas. I've gotten in arguments on, on this area of pseudoscience. And, uh, ghost hunters manage to make themselves look like they have a scientific prog- process to it because they have the scientific materials. And there's definitely those were made using science, but the way they're utilizing them aren't using the scientific method at all because of like finding cold spots doesn't really mean anything. Uh, finding e- e- uh, EMPs, I think electronic e- EVPs EVP. doesn't uh, find yeah. anything <laughs> like, it, like it, it, there's no, it's picking up stuff, but it doesn't mean that, Oh, you're getting a ghost. It just means that right. it's picked up something. Right. And I think we kind of take for granted. I mean, if we're going to talk about those along those lines, we really take for granted um just how many um radio waves and stuff like that are in the air so when you talk about this equipment that's designed to pick up certain things right um even if it's not just an fm radio like you can pick up radio waves and other other sounds right that that um the equipment is sensitive to that has nothing to do i mean we're just surrounded by them we just don't pick them up right yeah, I was playing with a, there's an online website. I think it's one of the Dutch universities that is a massive shortwave radio. So I was looking for those spy channels, number stations on it. They're everywhere, these signals, you know, data in th- flying through the air all the time. And there's uh, a really interesting, I, I got to listen to a New Zealand radio station about shortwave radio station that was all a bit meta in the end. So <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So when I think That's about... A- bad science what do you guys think about the idea of like okay so you have a good scientific method and the person doing the science understands the scientific method only enough to misapply it right um like for example they think they're coming to good conclusions but they don't really understand how to interpret data or they don't understand how to um do the tests in a way that's um like what would you call it like um 
clear, right? Like comes up with, with good, um, reliable results, right? And like the people I'm thinking of right now are kind of like the flat earthers where they will show yeah. a high level of scientific comprehension and they'll completely misapply it. And, and I have to assume at least some of them aren't doing it deliberately. Like they really do have themselves convinced that they're doing good science. It's not science. Bad well, science. They, they'll use, I, I, again, I push back on the bad science because the scientific method is what it is. It's, it's the people utilizing right. the science that are doing it poorly. So I, I, I say I, science done poorly instead of saying bad science. Science yeah, it sounds like we're reprimanding the science unless like, the kind of bad science I would go for is anything done in like leather can go and do like bad science. Like if you're doing it like that, you got like your, your uh, Judas priest gear on or something, you <laughs> might be able to do some bad, bad. naughty science, but that's <laughs> about as close as I can come to thinking of actual bad science. Otherwise it's just people missing out on like variables are a lot of the things that I see in like uh, the anti-vaxxers or the flat earth movement. And is uh, they'll come up with a bunch of things that sound good on their own, but they'll forget about all the factors that they're supposed to be keeping track of in order to make that science work. And it comes, mm. that's because people have take like rudimentary understandings of like something they heard on YouTube where all that sounds good. like I've, I've, I go into the conspiracy theory uh, forums all the time and I'll listen to their things and like, it sounds really good. If I didn't, if I didn't know better, I could like, I could fully fall for it. Yeah. But then you just gotta, you gotta find uh, explanations for what they're missing. And there always, almost always is an explanation for whatever theory they're thrown out there that they just, they haven't looked into it, which honestly it's never required much research to look into to, to debunk the flat earth or debunk anti-vax stuff. But if you're only going by what you're hearing repeated in forms or like, mom facebook groups unfortunately uh you're gonna have a poor understanding of what the actual science is yeah i think there's a distinction as well between that kind of uh let's call them kind of people who think they're doing science but with no credentials Mm -hmm. and we don't have genuine people who've gone to school and done the done the work and got and got the qualifications and then deliberately misapply it like uh, some creationists do. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you've got mm-hmm. creationist organizations who are paying people to go and get these qualifications to deliberately misapply the science. And then you come out and I've, I've seen them in reputable journals. They've published articles that are worded in such a way that are they're very dishonest because they come out in with, with the wording that you know, this thing may be plausible, but if you actually read between mm. the lines, they're not actually saying anything and they, they get published in reputable articles. I've reported them to articles before because of the dishonesty and they've not declared any bias in the work. Mm-hmm. And and that's specifically why I've reported these people because, they've you know, they, they work for the Discovery Institute or they're connected with the Discovery Institute or other other kind of pseudoscientific uh is it pseudoscience the qualified i don't know uh other such uh, uh places and then they don't declare any bias in the work and i think that's blatantly dishonest when when you've got an agenda and you're trying to push that agenda and you you're writing your articles in such a way that they they pass scrutiny so they can get published but yet, at the same time, the uh, the 
that agenda isn't, you know, they don't they mm. don't go out and say, oh yeah, by the way, our agenda here is to promote, you know, God right. as a think and, and to try and prove God. But they're getting published in reputable journals because they've got the qualifications, they've done the schooling, they, they know the methods. They are being deliberately dishonest in the way they do things. So let's let's touch on this for just a second because I think this is really really important and um I think that I think that accidental or bad science like where where they 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 have good intentions and then they come to wrong conclusions that's bad enough and it can be damaging especially depending on the conclusions that they come to but at least it's done in a process where they're at least trying but this mm-hmm. is something that people don't necessarily think about like you can go to a college and you can take a biology major or a physics major and they can say, here's what you need to learn to pass the test. And now that you pass the test, here's your degree. And the person doesn't have to believe that stuff. They don't have to um, have any sort of worldview that corresponds with that stuff. They're literally just answering test questions or applying certain <clears throat> concepts um, academically and proving that they have the intellect to take that concept and apply it. It doesn't mean they have to believe it. So when you talk about like, oh, so-and-so from um, the Discovery Institute, right? That's Ken Hams or something. I can't remember. But um, they have a degree in biology, right? Therefore, they know what they're talking about. But going and getting a degree and applying skepticism and logic and um, challenging your own beliefs are two completely different things. And so that's kind of one thing that I find mm. kind of scary is that you you can have a degree that doesn't make you a good scientist, right? That doesn't make you skeptical. And that doesn't mean that you're you're doing things in a way that like challenges and reinforces um, hypotheses, right? You, you could be full of total shit at the end of the day, but you have a degree. Yeah, this, so. this is why science literacy is important in the general population, mm. because the reason a lot of these people get away with that mm-hmm. is because uh, people don't look into it enough. And if I, <laughs> if I can pick on the science communicators a little bit, <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> that, that's what we get sometimes. <laughs> You know, if we've, I've got a bunch of, of magazines behind me, kind of science monthly magazines, and they're all full of kind of grab your attention headlines. Mm. And the, a lot of people will read those stories from the communicators and, and say, right, that's it. This is what's happening. But, you know, the way you should use those articles is to read them, then go and do the further research to yeah, get you know, the story behind the story. Yeah. Richard, let's show up in you. You yeah. are one of these people. Well, there's a couple of couple of things um, on that. What you were just saying, then, um, absolutely. One of the things that bothers me. I mean, there was recently a big headline went round that said that uh, mindfulness practices in schools do not help uh, with kids' behaviour, and that was the headline. But if you read the paper, what it said was that mindfulness practices don't immediately help, but they do calm the class mm. overall over a long period of time. And you sort of, people are sharing this and saying, see, this is all woke nonsense. And you're like, no. Uh, um, but also, what you're, the, one of the things that really worries me when we're talking about people who go and get a degree and get something published in a reputable journal is how. I mean, I do peer review. And I have people come send me things and it's always it's blind. So I don't know what the biases. I don't even know who they are. Um, and that's as it should be, because if I think they're a bit of an idiot, I might be a little bit tougher on them. But, you know, um, we don't want that. So I get um, uh, 
I get peer review and I'd spot it. I spot it in stuff I get a mile away. I'm like, this person hasn't read anything for like 10 years and they haven't got a clue what's going on in the field right now. Mm-hmm. And I make all these notes and suggest to them, you ought to read this, you ought to read this, you ought to look at this. So if someone's sending a paper, which is basically creationism to a biology journal and a biologist with a PhD is getting it, I'd hope they'd go, um, um, you know, this thing isn't really a motor like that. It's actually just a cell. And you know, this thing is that, and you're describing that wrong. You need to read this. And that doesn't seem to happen as robustly as it ought at peer review, which bothers me. And also, how are these people getting through the PhD process? That's four years they have to effectively lie for, you know, of of PhD. Four years they have to say, yes, I believe in this honest gov. Because if they try to do a PhD in creationism, They'd either win the Nobel Prize or not get the PhD, not finish. You know, it's one or the other. And um, so, yeah, that the whole train bothers me from how are they getting into these journals? And then the communicators, because there are some very, very good science communicators. I know quite a few who take a lot of time and we they stick. We I say we we stick within our field. So we know what we're talking about. We don't wander off. And I wouldn't go and do a Egyptology article because i know nothing about it i'd find one of my mates who does you know um and then you get the others who will just jump on anything because they need the money um and so they get it wrong and it all gets messed up um but yeah that's the bit that bothers me how does he even get there in the first place how does this bad 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 science get into the journals it really shouldn't what's interesting (laughs) is i i kind of from what i've heard them say in terms of like watching some of their youtube videos and stuff i'm i'm postulating this i don't know this for a fact but this is my hypothesis is that they are on such a crusade for what they believe is the truth that they don't see what they're doing as being unethical they're like i'm getting Mm. the biology degree to prove and some are getting biology degrees at christian colleges right so some of these biology degrees i wouldn't even necessarily consider them degrees right because you you can't really verify what they've learned and how that that information has been scrutinized so um that that i think is something that i've seen the most often is getting these phds i'm like i i know a chaplain who just like i i don't think he belongs anywhere in the educating pool like educating anyone on anything and yet he has a phd and he got it from a christian college and he he writes and publishes his own books right and they're all biblical based and he spouts a whole bunch of nonsense but he did a lot of research and a lot of hard work to get that phd i mean he put the hours in but the information he's being presented just reinforces his beliefs and his worldview but yeah going to a reputable college i have to assume there's some sort of like crusade there where they they and this is me being generous and kind i think that they think they're doing the right thing by like infiltrating the enemy um but i don't know i don't know that's an interesting question (laughs) Science is the enemy, but kind of. Isn't that crazy? Must... <laughs> Don't yeah. ask there's questions. Also, just to Don't touch on what questions. you said, Lover, there's an, there's an extra layer to that as well. It's not just the people who go to the Christian colleges, which they are could be any religion, are. by the way. But, but yeah. there's also the people who buy their degrees. Oh, yeah. Hello, my right. name is Kent Hovind. Um, <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> well, he wears a lab coat in his video, so you got to take him seriously. But uh, does anyone say other than Matt Powell? Does anybody take Kent Hovind seriously? He has a flock of. uh, I just said I took him serious because of the lab coat. 
what more peer review do you need than that? You see a guy in a white lab coat, you just automatically assume there's science coming out of that mouth. And he's in an office too. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard a lot of them get around the peer review process by having, they have their own like scientific magazines and journals, but they're strictly like Christian scientific magazines and journals. So I should put quotes for people that are listening and not watching air quotes around scientific uh, yeah. journals because uh they're getting peer reviewed by guys that read oh that matches up with what i saw in the bible so yeah that's science right there when every single like creationism model i've heard makes huge leaps in logic yeah it, to get their point across like i they are going from a to z to g wherever and just like inputting their own info that's not based on any like verifiable uh predictions or anything like that it's just what fits into their bible and what they can kind of make sound good to people that uh mostly have been indoctrinated into it because i i never was indoctrinated into christianity so it always sounded weird to me their ideas yeah many claims of which are actually very easily countered or debunked the problem is it's not getting to the people who are listening to them right so there's definitely scientific um I should say scientists out there that are taking the time to counter these people and to, mm. to put the good science out there. And yet it's, it's getting to our ears, the people who already are like, yeah, you tell them, you tell them. Right. And it's not necessarily getting to the listeners. Well, like so, the bad science I've heard from them mostly is it's never actually proving creationism. It's poking holes in evolution or where they yeah. think there's holes in evolution mm. and that's bad science if your science should not be saying these guys are saying this so our our ideas right your your ideas should have nothing to do with whatever the hell they're saying it should be you proving your own facts or proving your own model instead of like trying to disprove somebody else's model yeah so a couple of bits of what we're saying about learning about um scientific literacy there um one is the journal thing people don't learn that there is a hierarchy of journals and at the top You've got nature and the things that are, you know, hard to get into because it has to be really robust. Um, and at the bottom, you've got these creationist things that they'll publish any old rubbish. Send them in a, a, a toilet roll with some scribbles on it and it'll get in there somewhere. They don't care. Um, and there's everything in between. So you need to learn there. It's a hierarchy. Learn what journal it's in. But also, you know, things like um, uh, that it's fine. If you want to say a paper saying this aspect of evolution has a problem, Fine. That can just say that, though. Mm -hmm. If you then say, so I need to stick my favorite fairy tale in the hole, <laughs> that's when you've got a problem because um, yeah. you have to demonstrate that as well. And that's where it falls apart. There are almost certainly aspects of evolution that we have not enough information to properly understand. Great. Point them out. Say where they are so we can explore them more thoroughly. But don't then, you know, <laughs> come up with the rubbish to, to explain it. You don't know. You don't know what the problem is. There's there's also a lot of there's, there's I can't remember her name. There's a there's a climate climate scientist, one of the world's leading climate scientists, by the way, who is a climate change denier, oh. <laughs> ironically. And and she she's actually wants to get rid of peer review. There's there's a, there's a bunch of people out there who who have an agenda. Who mm. want to get rid of peer review because it gets in the way of of their th they want to go out there and just say the shit they want to say without without re like retribution for it. 
And and one of the ways they try to do that is by getting rid of the peer wanting to get rid of the peer review process. Yeah, well, peer review isn't perfect. It has issues. No. Um, and the problem is people like that find these little issues, like there's a replication that very rarely do editors of journals send repli- uh, replications, especially if they're negative replications, to peer review for some reason. So you can have a paper that's wrong and it can stay in the record forever without being corrected. Um, there's an issue with somebody who's thought they'd proven uh, precognition a while back. They'd done a, an experiment. It proved that you could I predict knew you were going to bring that up, yeah. by the way. And then uh, <laughs> four God. different people, four different people all did the paper to say, no, that's wrong. And they ended up having to put it in plus one because none of the, the same journal wouldn't publish them saying, no, actually, that's wrong. Um, wow. Another guy who did one of the replications and uh, he was angry, really, really angry about that. Um, and so they take these little problems like that and they, they take other problems like there is a thing where somebody higher up, I don't do this because I'm a good boy, but you'll get people get a paper on a subject and the first thing they'll do is look at the back, see if their name is in the, in it, if they've been cited. And if not, then they'll immediately reject it because Mm. they're, um... they know everything they're right. And if they're not cited, clearly it's wrong. Yeah. (laughs) I was about to use a different word, but I don't know what the age group for this show is. Over 18. Um, You can say whatever the fuck you want, man. Yeah. Wankers. That was the kind of word. Oh, that's so mild here. I love. I know. I I was trying to (laughs) keep somewhere mid mid range. Um, I like it. I think motherfuckers is too rude, so I'll not say that. Um, yeah, please don't say motherfuckers on here. No, definitely well, not. At least wait but, till the end of the you know. show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's it's um, that's an issue. And they'll use these to say, see, peer review's wrong. It's like, no, no, peer review needs to be more robust, even more robust than it is now. That's what it needs to be, mm-hmm. not the opposite. Don't get rid of it, what you're talking about. So, you know, um, yeah, and it's frustrating. It happens in uh, the field, I some of the fields I work in as well where they'll say, um, they'll come up with some nonsense history and say, well, peer review says that at, that uh, Atlantis wasn't really in the Mediterranean basin, so we we're going to publish ourselves. It's like, yeah, but that's because it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, if you took away peer review, what would you replace it with? Does anybody just get to put out any scientific theory that they want? Yes, just, like, I think that's the point. Accepted. <laughs> wow. There has been so, an attempt at this, and it didn't go well because instead of peer review, they had real-time correction. So what happened was you could publish your paper, then scientists could come in and put notes on it. So, so what they ended up with <laughs> is they published their paper, and it would just be a wall of it's red going, that's crap, that's crap, that's crap, that's crap. No, that's wrong, that's crap, that's crap, that's crap. Oh, very good point. That's crap, that's crap. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, even more tougher than peer review, that idea. So. Good wow. luck to him. Yeah, so you, you bring, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, you bring up a really good point when you're talking about um, internal, because we do a lot of like, especially in the beginning, we, we hit hard on creationists and it tends to be hard to avoid that kind of conversation when we talk about bad mm-hmm. science. Um, but what you're talking about is, um, and not bad science, science done badly. Um, but what you're talking about is within the scientific community, there are issues too. And that's really mm-hmm. important because the more that we try to cover or hide or don't discuss, or we try to glorify the scientific community beyond what they're actually capable of, of doing right now, we end up shooting ourselves in the foot because then you do have people that are like, well, look, these guys can't do science either. So what makes their science more valid than our science? Mm-hmm. Or look, this guy 
published this and then there were rebuttals. And so you guys are saying that science is all perfect and here's his answer, but look, he was wrong. Right. And so you, you tend to get this sort of, um, we, we leave so many blemishes unaddressed that it's almost like cannon fodder, you know, for, for people yeah, who. Yeah. I was just going to bring that up. What, what makes good science and good skepticism, by the way, very, what makes it good is the fact that we can sit here and say, whether you're a scientist or a skeptic, what you can do is you can sit here and say, I was wrong. Mm. Or you can turn around and I could turn around and say, Laura, you were wrong. And Laura will say, yes, thank you for pointing that out. And right. that's what makes it good. But it's also what gives the other side <laughs> the the kind of cannon fodder that they think is a golden bullet by saying, well, look, this person's admitted that they're wrong. And they don't seem to understand that that's good self-correcting. And that's part of what makes it very, very good. You mean sticking to what was written down 2,000 years ago isn't how I should just go with it? It's totally how you should go with it. Yeah, whatever's been out there the longest is what we should be going by. That's good science from what I've learned. Josh, if you could find a Christian that actually believes what was written down 2,000 years ago, I'll, I'll give you a lot of money because most of them don't. What they do is interpret those texts in the way that they want to interpret them. I'm sure I can find at least one, so you better owe me some money. Oh, I bet you can't. <laughs> I bet you can't. My favorite one is Christians who say that God is love, and I'll say to them, so what did love mean in the first century A.D.? And they'll look at me blank and I go, come on, explain to me. Because this is my field. Emotions is, in history is my field. So what was love in the first century AD? Say, well, it's love, isn't it? I say, no, it was an attraction of two bodies towards each other. So you're, that's what kept you on the ground. That's what they thought gravity was. It's this attraction, it's love. And God, you're pulled towards him, towards the finny, towards the end. It's a pulling towards. Does that sound like the love you're talking about? I go, no, I go, so you don't even get that bit right. <laughs> no, that, that's true. That. And then they redefine the characteristics of love because the mm-hmm. God in the Bible is not a very nice guy, not very loving at no. all. In fact, he's, he's good. Very... He's good. It was my fault that he was beat bad to me. Come on. Yeah, you just in your case, you're right. But <laughs> 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 no, but um, if you were to ask a person today, um, what what characteristics are shown like do people show when, when they love somebody it'd be the exact opposite of of many of god's actions in the bible so you're right there's like this dissonance between what's written there i know we're getting off topic from from the science done badly to well, if um, you're talking about god it's almost they, they, some people consider it science so we can still be in the ballpark Oh, I, I, you can go on after i that. totally I just... forgot what i was saying when you <laughs> took over my mind went blank i was like what was i just saying <laughs> We were talking about love. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, but going back to the original point of, of interpreting old documents and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think we could do better as a scientific community, it, you talked about science education earlier, is educate on those kinds of things. Like promote the idea of looking at old ideas and scrutinizing them. And okay, let's even go back to like Copernicus and Galileo and how did they do their process and what did they get wrong? Because they did a lot of really good science and they really advanced the our, our knowledge of the universe. However, they didn't get everything perfect either. And their original models, you know, have since changed and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, I think teaching people that the process is always an ongoing process and teaching people that, that the mistakes are what we build on. They're not what we build 
as a foundation, they're what we build. Um, like we, we can move completely away from something as soon as we learn that that is the right thing to do. In other words, like it's not something that we make so foundational that we can't move away from it. The problem is when you go to school, like I don't know how it is in, in England, but in America, like it's pretty much what you're presented is cemented knowledge period. We're not tent. We're not necessarily taught to hmm. question. We're not taught necessarily to be skeptical. It's um, here's this current scientific understanding of X. Right. And um, and I think it's getting more common now to teach critical thinking and skepticism. Definitely when I went through high school, it wasn't really there at all. It was just, here's your textbook, memorize these facts, right? And like history is a great example of, of science done badly where we have history books that are written and then rewritten and rewritten, but not necessarily evaluated. So we're, we're getting taught the same, say, whitewashed history, for example. Um, it, yeah, that's interesting because I teach first year undergraduates occasionally when they force me to at gunpoint. And um, <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, actually. It's great fun. But my job is to break them in. So by the end of the first semester, I want all of them to doubt even me. That's, That's what I do. It's like, do not believe anybody. Do not believe anything. If you read it, check it. And then when you've checked it, check the person who checked it. Mm-hmm. If you want to get a first class mark, you have to be. The trick is to doubt everything and come up with your own voice. There's no. the, um, th- there is the problem with people that don't know how to doubt properly, though, mm. because of their sometimes conspiracies turn out to be true sometimes there there is false information put out there that's accepted by the public like uh, uh cigarette companies for the longest time knew that smoking was bad for you and they would put out like wrong propaganda and like incorrect right. science and, yeah. and they manipulate the numbers in order to make it not sound bad same with climate uh change uh, uh people that are against the science of, of climate change they'll put out their own numbers and show like yeah climate's has has changed but it has nothing to do with us they'll try and manipulate the facts to say like this is just the way the world is and then this is how you get conspiracy theorists because they'll see like these people have tried to manipulate us before or people have used science to try and manipulate us before we can't trust it now when instead of uh, instead of like questioning it and then like looking into it they're questioning it and say because these people have a motive uh, we can't trust them at all. That's what's happened so much with the anti-vax movement is uh, they're like, these companies just want to make money. So we can't trust them at all. When every company needs to make money in, in order to fund further research, you need money. So yes, I would hope that the people working on the vaccines are working for money because uh, that's saving lives. Please pay these people. Right. Yeah. What you're talking about is the difference between skepticism and cynicism. And you're right. If we're teaching too much skepticism, and I'm not saying there's such a thing as too much skepticism. I think they're two completely separate things. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I see what you're saying and I'm, I'm wondering what combination, and I'm, I don't have any answers. I'm more like throwing it out to you guys. What combination of factors turns a person from a skeptic to a cynic where the, and, and potentially even a conspiracy theorist where they're like, fuck all this information. You people are liars. I'm not going to trust anything. And, and I'm going to come up with my own theories and I'm gonna have my own data to support. And, you know, um, what what factors do you guys think are necessary to make that that switch? I think them. it's ignorance and co- confidence. I think so- it's them because you can guarantee in almost every situation where uh, where it's it turns into a conspiracy theory, and we've done an episode on conspiracy theory mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. A, a long, long time ago. In the dark, dark past of, of this this podcast, 
But <laughs> every time you, you can you, you can almost guarantee that there will be a leap from, well, this doesn't add up, this doesn't add up, this doesn't add up till, well, they are hiding something. Mm-hmm. And it's them, this mysterious them, this mysterious they, yeah. the, the, the aren't actually a, a body of people that exist, but they're the ones hiding something. It more seems like when they're following the money instead of following the science is when the conspiracy theories really try to start to prop up. Because uh, anytime I've heard a conspiracy theory, money has come up as the majority of the reasons why they believe what they believe. That's why so many people went so hard against the vaccines and Bill Gates, because Bill Gates, who has all the money in the world, needs more money. So, of course, he's going to use uh, vaccine money to kill off a bunch of people, apparently, is what I've read. It got pretty out there. But uh, yeah. it was definitely following the money. I'd say it's it's confidence, scientific ignorance, and thinking that you're smarter than you are is what really leads to conspiracy theories. Yeah, um, there's a fabulous book by a guy I know called Rob Brotherton uh, called Suspicious Minds. He's a psychologist who studies conspiracy theories. Um, and amongst other things, he believes that the main thing that drives a conspiracy theorist is a need to know something other people don't. A need mm. to, this can't be all there is, there must be something else. It's like, he likened, I had a chat with him, he likens it to the invisible hand of the economy. You see the way the economy works. Everyone says there must be somebody controlling this. And there isn't. It just kind of runs the way it does and it ebbs and flows because of currents within it. But it's easy to believe that now there's some cabal controlling the money. And then once you believe that, you go, I know something other people don't. These sheeple, they don't know that. And that gives you a sort of feeling of confidence and like, yeah, I know better and I'm better than those other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it becomes a spiral. And you start to learn no more and more conspiracies. He also found out, Bob, that people can hold two contradictory um, conspiracy oh, theories at the same time. So he had people who said um, they don't believe the moon landings exist, ever happened, and that America got to the moon 20 years earlier. Hmm. Wow. I believe both wow. at the same time. Yeah, I was just listening to a, a podcast <laughs> where they went to like an alien convention and uh, they both believed that uh, the government was hiding aliens and then also that uh, aliens have, are, were keeping the government from finding out about them. So like yeah. the government was both ignorant and masterminds in this scenario. That's yeah. funny because I was going to bring up aliens too. Like I, I was a big fan in, in sort of a parody sort of way of um, ancient aliens. Like I love the show. But because of how ridiculous it is, I love watching it and scrutinizing it. Um, it's kind of like Mystery Science Theater 3000 for me. Um, but they will, in one episode, take a certain specific um, landmark or monument or ancient ruins, and they'll explain it one way through one lens because that's the theme of that show. And then three episodes later, they'll take the exact same landmark and they'll re-explain it differently to where if you actually play those two next to each other, they're completely contradictory or two completely different stories but both are narratives that fit whatever the theme of that episode is. Mm. And it's like these, these set number of hosts, and it's always the same guys. Like we, we all know, know and love Giorgio Suclos, right? Um, it's, it's always the same, like two or three guys that are, that are presenting these ideas and they're, they're contradicting themselves from previous episodes. So it's funny that you brought up aliens. Cause I think that's one of the most poignant. And well, most- that was, 
that was synchronicity. That was part of the alien conspiracy. Is why we were both thinking about it. I love it. <laughs> They're trying to confuse us. <laughs> the, the, those communities are probably the most outlandish one. And like, uh, they were like, everybody has seen something probably in the sky that they don't know what it is. Mm. But just not knowing what it is, it, you don't get to take the leap in logic and say, oh, that's an alien or even honestly, even if you got taken aboard on a ship, and I don't think any of these people actually have been taken aboard on a ship, even Travis Walton, I don't think he has been on a ship. But uh, even if you got on there, you wouldn't be able to say aliens still. I, I think you'd have to prove that they came from another planet. So like, even if you got that far, I don't think you'd be justified in saying aliens. And they'll, they'll just point out a light in the sky and say aliens. And that's yeah. huge leaps. I'm We're interested not... in why you said Travis Walton as though he's some kind of benchmark as legitimacy. <laughs> I don't know, but I got excited because that was actually the first podcast that Josh and I did together on his other podcast, Bloody Good Film, because um, my first movie I did with him. Yes, that one right there. For those of you who are listening, he just held up the Bloody Good Film podcast t-shirt. But um, that was the first one I did was Fire in the Sky. So I just thought that was funny. I'm like, oh, nailed it. <laughs> Um, but but doctor you were you were starting to say something and i want to make sure you got your two cents in oh yeah i was just going to say when i was young i saw a ufo uh, i i was uh, at home and i looked out the window and i saw a circle that kept spinning and changing color it just kept changing color it was about the size of the moon went red and green and blue and i thought maybe i dreamt it and next day my mate came up to me and said did you see that weird thing last night of the hill um, 10 years later, the classified documents told us that in the hills beyond where I lived was a secret military base. And we're like, aha! Mm-hmm. <laughs> that wasn't aliens. That aliens. was something. You know, um, we got these things all the time. They're like planes that would crash and then disappear. <laughs> uh, they just weren't there when people went to look for them and strange stuff like that. But, yeah, there's yeah, usually it, it, an explanation. And oh, I do oh, like oh, that. Oh. Sorry, I was just going to say, I do sorry. like the moment there's all these videos of things. And what the what governments are saying is there are things, but we don't know what they are. We think there may be some kind of foreign drones. Uh, by drones unidentified means unidentified. You know? It does yeah. not mean al- the U does not stand for alien. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, we are, uh, it's, it's funny you should say that because where you grew up and where I live are not tremendously far away from each other. No. Although you've moved on to more tropical climes of the sunny south now, <laughs> we, are, we are, and and I see overhead certain parts of of this region quite regularly, kind of black ops aircraft mm. and, and things, and even still, and yeah. you know when, when they when they come up, they, there's kind of a little bit of hoo ha about them when there's like mass sightings of them. But yeah, there's, it's it's still a thing around here. Where I don't know if there is still a secret military base. I don't know whether we're Probably. just on some flight path, but I see them quite regularly. Yeah. So we're coming up to the end of the show, but I think what you guys are talking about is is an interesting way to end because we were we're talking a lot about you know um, science done badly on purpose, and then we're talking about holes in the scientific community, and then maybe science scientists who have good intentions but just don't quite get the science right. But what I see as being really prevalent, and this is what you guys are directly talking about, is like the citizen scientist, like the everyday person who who thinks that they're mm. skeptic. They think that they know a lot about how the world works and what's out there and what means what. And then they see something they don't understand or they're presented with information that um, hits them a certain way. And so their minds kick in and they're like, well, I'm going to come to this conclusion. 
And it's the difference between seeing something or hearing something that you're not sure of and applying the scientific method, right or wrong, even if you come to the wrong conclusion, at least trying to apply the scientific method and asking yourself like, well, do I automatically have the answer or is it possible to discover the answer? Like very rarely do we just have the answer when it's something we don't know about to begin with, right? Mm. It's the difference between that person and the person who's like, I don't know, therefore insert my theory here. And because my theory makes sense in my head and I've gone through all these mental leaps to get there and I've applied all this knowledge that I do know, it's gotta be the truth because it's the only one that makes sense to me. And I think that that happens more often and with different kinds of topics um, more often than, than not. I mean, there's 7.8 billion of us and we misapply our, our logic and our knowledge all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Science isn't done through Google, especially if you're not <laughs> trained to uh, look at, interpret the data. And that seems to be where a lot of bad science happens is people doing Google foo and taking people's data that scientists didn't interpret this way, but people with novice brains are interpreting it in the ways that they think makes sense. When, like I've said before, you don't understand the X factors or the variables in this. So you're interpreting it very poorly to reach Mm -hmm. your conclusions. Mm. It's, it's the good old, uh, the correct use of the Dunning-Kruger effect. A lot of people say it's that stupid people think they know a lot. And the really what it is, is that all of us, bizarrely, are a bit more confident about things we don't know much about. Because when we start to know a lot about something, we realise that we don't know much about it because there's a huge depth of information. So the actual subject that is my main study, I know I'm clueless about because I know how much of it there is. There's this endless chasm but yeah. um when it comes to other things like how to make a good cup of coffee i think i'm a genius uh, <laughs> i'm probably terrible <laughs> yeah it's uh, i mean i i there's a, a friend of, of of some of ours on the show cynthia mcdonald who's a absolutely hilarious and and a great uh, educator in her own right she uh, she will often call me on in public uh, uh, and a resident expert in kind of biblical study and not, and I'm not, I know nothing about it. I've barely scratched the surface and I know it's kind of a pushback thing that we have between us where she publicly announces my knowledge on the subject and I publicly push back as much as possible. But yeah, you, 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 once you, once you start studying a little bit, you realize how much there is that you don't yeah. know. And I think that's vitally important to to have that realization. I think if you go into something thinking that you are an expert, I think that's the point where you need to stop and kind of check yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you go into a field and you think you know the answer, um, then you need to automatically look at yourself as potentially being wrong. And that's something that's very difficult for us to do, right? And when we talked earlier about people who go in to get degrees, but they already know that they don't agree with the conclusions. They're just they're just putting down the test, test answers to get the piece of paper um, or the people that get degrees only from institutions that support their beliefs to begin with. That's not applying the scientific method. That's I, I would say that that falls into what the doctor was talking about in terms of Dunning-Kruger, where you think you know more than you know. Therefore, you're going to focus on stuff that reinforces that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And um. And yeah, I think if there was something we were to leave with our audience in terms of like final thoughts, um, mine would be just to check yourself. Like I, I, I have people 
coming to me for advice oftentimes, um, a lot of times about relationship stuff. And I think it's because I just, I speak well. Um, and, and they think that, oh, a person who can articulate things must know what she's articulating. And that's just not true at all. I can't tell you how often I've told people, I'm not a therapist or I'm, I'm not a lawyer, right? Like you need to go talk to somebody else about this kind of stuff. I feel for you and I'll listen if you need my ear, but I'm not an expert. Like, and I, I bring that up because I had to do that today where I was like, you need to talk to your therapist about that because whatever feedback I'm giving you is from just a person. And it's just like my opinion, dude. And, and for you to take that as any sort of gospel would be, would be a very big mistake. Um, you're in the situation that I think a couple of us are, are probably in, though. Where you, I mean, you've you've hosted secular sexuality a few times with mm-hmm. Christy, and and Christy is qualified and is an expert yes, in is, in, yeah. <laughs> in the field. And people kind of, you know, I've I've had it before when I've hosted shows with really intelligent people, and you're kind of people think that you are intelligent by way of association, and that's not <laughs> how it works. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. You listen to them, not me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But I want to get on to, to Josh's and, and Richard's other final thoughts. So which one of you two gentlemen would like to start with your final thoughts? I already had my final thought. My final thought was uh, what I said last. I thought we were already in our wrapping up phase. So <laughs> just like, uh, you don't know anything. I know everything. Come to me for your information. Perfect. Brilliant. <laughs> Spot on. I think for me, I'm just the takeaway should be for everybody that if you if you don't think you haven't got a clue about something, then you probably haven't got a clue about something. I like it. That was beautifully pithy. And I, I love it. <laughs> On that note, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, just as a reminder, um, if you want this conversation to continue, we have our Facebook discussion group. Um, so if you have your stories, if you have examples of good and bad science, um, if you have just like your opinions, dude, then hop on there and give us your opinions. Um, I'd love to, to share this conversation with everybody. So don't forget to get on our Facebook discussion group and be a part of the conversation. Richard, thank you so much for joining us. Um, as far no as problem. I know, you're going to continue to join us for the next couple of shows. Um, but and it's been a pleasure. So I'm looking forward to the next ones. All right, everybody. So in the meantime, keep questioning, interrogate your beliefs. And Josh, stay skeptical. Stay skeptical.